Hi, I'm Haley, author of the book blog, Brook and Binding. I'm Maddie, upcoming debut author, and this is Lit Sis. Happy New Year! It is 2019, and wow. here we are still talking about books. Wow. 2019. I feel like this is a big year. I feel like there's... I don't know. It's 2019. That's a year away from you graduating college. That's true. That's that's a year away from it. Stop from it. This is the last year of the teens. After this, it's going to be 2020. We're going to be in the 20s. It's it going to will be... never be teens again until 21 something. 21.10 <laughs> is when the teens will start again. So, can you imagine? There's probably people in 1919 who were like, whoa. I know. It won't be the teens again until it's 2010. I know. And here we are today. Wow. Moving out of the teens. 2019. It's a big year. Big year for for books. Big year for life. Um, And here we are to kick off the new year by talking about Something that's a pretty common uh, discussion amongst the book people, but it's book and movie adaptations, or book book to movie adaptations, and mm-hmm. which are the best and which are the worst. Yep, we've got a list of five best and five worst, not in any particular order, yeah. and they're not like the best ever or the worst ever. They're just the ones that when we were talking about it and we sat down, they were the ones that came to our minds immediately of mm-hmm. like, oh, that was a that was a movie adaptation that I loved. Or, oh, that one was horrible. Yeah, so these are the ones that like, if we didn't think too hard about it, we could be like, oh, this one, this one, this one. And we came up with 10 pretty quickly. Um, the, the, the stipulation is that all of these we had to have read or in the case of one exception, there is an argument that was given to us about why some, from someone who had read the book why the movie adaptation was so awful. And some of these are also very common, like, that are made fun of in the world of books of, like, oh, this was the worst adaptation of this, blah, blah, blah. So so we got um, some good ones, and we're just going to keep going. And if there's a few of them, kind of spark in our minds of some different ones. So we're going to – we've got these, like, ten to kind of guide us. But there's also – there could be word in the middle of it, and we start thinking of, oh, there's this one too. Like, how did we not think of that? So Yep, definitely. I would say, I think I want to start with, if we start with the worst, we'll end on a high note. Yeah, let's start with the the best. I'm going to start with the worst that we have neither read, but we heard about. Yes. From Haley's husband. Yes. He's a very uh, good, uh, what am I trying to say? A resource. He's a very good very, source of information. A very, yes, reliable source of information. He has read these books many, many a time. Um, this is the book series Aragon. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. By Christopher Paolini. I'm not sure if I said his last name correctly. But these series have captured so many people's hearts over the years. Um, I have listen to the first book not all of it but a good chunk of it on a road trip but I wasn't 100% paying attention but I I feel like I've got a gist I have an idea of of the storyline for the most part and um 
yeah, there's just been a lot of negative talk about this book to movie adaptation. Henceforth, there are no other sequels of yeah, movies. How many, there's a lot in the series. Right? I think there's four books. Yeah, and there's one movie. And one movie. A few I, I of actually these, enjoyed the movie when I saw a, it. A few of these other ones that we also have for worst didn't finish out their series mm-hmm. either. But anyway, so Aragon, we realized that going through the best and worst, that having the author involved in the movie mm. process is a huge deal. It Obviously, is. it makes Ugh. the most sense, right? I mean, this person created the world. They're successful. They know the world. They, you know, they've sold millions and millions of copies. Why else do you think it would be a good idea to make a movie? You know, and they so, obviously know the story inside and out. Yeah, they but, know the story. They know the characters. They they're able to be an awesome resource. Yeah, and even if like the direct like information from the story or the direct dialogue from the story doesn't transcribe onto screen very well, at least I mean, the overall feel, the overall would be feel, there. and the author can be like, oh, I, this is something that is in character for this person to say, but fits better on a screen, and they yeah. can help with that process. So if they're not involved. I mean. It's not as good. Yeah, so the screenplay was written by Peter Buchman. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name correct either. Uh, Buchman. And Christopher, the author of the book, was not involved at all. Um, Our reliable resource. He has told this story many a time where... The well, the the author of Aragon, he wrote that series originally. I think he was in high school or mm-hmm. college. Yeah, he was super very, young, very popular, very famous for writing it young. Yeah, very young, and um, and when it became a, they were going to work on it being a movie. They did not involve him at all. Um, our source told us that the director, um, had not even read the book. What? Uh, no one, I don't think anyone really had read the book or knew all the little details. They knew like the general storyline, um, but no one had actually sat down and read the book or felt confident about this, like the world they were trying to create. They kind of just took, took the storyline for, I mean, like the main, you know, like there's a guy and there's a dragon. And then just kind of ran and then kind of ran with it. Like, oh my was, gosh, I did and, not know this. This yeah. is crazy. And uh, so is, I'm guessing that the screen, um, the playwright, no screenwriter, screenwriter, the screenwriter, like I'm sure he didn't read the book either. And you can definitely tell. I mean, this is one book series, or this is one book series that could have been very popular, and one movie that so many people who have read the books will never watch. They've probably seen it one time in the theater and they got so disappointed. They, you know, never, they never looked for a sequel again or they never, you know, they never even wanted to watch it again because it was so, so off of what the actual book is about and even the main storyline. And they missed so many characters and just different points that, it probably it felt like a whole new felt like a whole new mm. movie. Like it was like this isn't the Aragon we've read. This is a brand new Aragon, but that does leave an open door Ooh. for someone to actually create the Aragon series 
based on the book mm-hmm. and make it awesome. Yeah, because this isn't like someone made it very close to the book, but they just made it poorly. This is like, it really wasn't the story at all. So there's total, like, there's a total freedom to actually make it good without it feeling like it's a remake. Yeah, they, they, I challenge somebody out there. We challenge you, directors who are obviously listening to this, to pick them up, read them over, ask the author to be involved, and you will have a smashing hit on your hands, honestly. Really um, okay, so the next one, I feel very, um, very strongly about this. I've actually only seen this movie once, um, but it was a favorite book of mine growing up. So it's Paper Towns. Um, the book is written by John Green. Um, and it was something that I read when I was, I think it was a sophomore in high school. It's, I feel like you, you just kind of get into John Green novels when you're pretty young and it really helps you, um, get into reading and stuff. So I loved, um, Paper Towns. Um, one, John Green's most famous probably for The Fault in Our Stars, which became a movie before Paper Towns. It's really sad. Um, and Paper Towns, I think, is a book that when you compare it to the success of the Fault in Our Stars, it kind of falls into the shadow, um, isn't seen as good, which I think is very tragic because the book itself was absolutely spectacular. I loved it. Um, but I think the hard thing for me was I went into this movie with this, I mean, The Fault in Our Stars was a great adaptation. And I went into Paper Towns hoping to have another good ad- adaptation. And I remember just in the theater, I just found myself time after time just being disappointed with the way that the movie was made. Like, it didn't feel like it had the same magic as the book itself. Because the book has this sort of, like, mysterious, like, this girl, like, runs really away or goes missing. Too. It's very quirky. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of felt like it was trying to, like, live up to this Fault in Our Stars expectation. So there was, like, random, like, romance between these people that, like, it ha- happens in the book, but not to the degree that it happens in the movie. And there's a lot more drama between the friends versus, like, the soul-searchingness of the first of the the main character Q. Um and I think what really was the nail on the hammer for me is that um the hammer on the nail, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. I can't say the word phrase correctly was that um the ending was so different. Um I mean there were a lot of just differences throughout like the there's a beginning where they break into a different building than they're supposed to in the book um because they couldn't get the rights to do it, I guess, which makes sense. Um but the ending was just drastically different. Um, instead of, um, this is kind of a spoiler, but instead of finding the girl who ran away, her name is Margot. Instead of finding her in this like barn that she's kind of established herself and then her kind of admitting that like she used to dream and like write about um, like a life that was so different from her own where like her and the main character as fictional kids would like fall in love. And like this idealized life that she can't have because of um of her parents and feeling so tied down to just you kind of like see her by chance like instead of them actually finding her they just like see her by chance and she's like yeah I didn't leave you any clues like yeah whatever you can do you want to come with me in New York and it's it feels so much more rushed and in the book the ending is this very beautiful bittersweet moment that makes you realize you know Q had this like longing for Margot that was not really established on anything solid but there's still this beautiful, whimsical beauty of it um, because she kind of acknowledges it and, like, understands it, but, like, doesn't agree with him. But in the movie, I feel like it's very cut and dry. Like, no, I don't care about you the way you care about me. Um, and it didn't, it didn't sit well for me. And 
this is one of those moments that I know John Green was involved with the process, but the screenplay was written by Scott Neustadter oh no, and Michael Weber. And John was not a part of the writing process. Um, and so, and I know he was probably a part of the other process, but it was just really hard for me to sit through that movie because I was waiting for such the wonderful, beautiful ending that it is. Something that like, the reason I loved that book so much was the ending. Like I read it like twice after I, after I finished the ending, I was like, oh, I have to just read that again. To then it being kind of boiled down to this simple scene, drinking milkshakes and not the beautiful thing that it was supposed to be. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I, I saw the movie and I read the book and I thought for the most part it was pretty pretty good but the ending it really went way off on the side and it didn't have that magic that and like the magic and I guess like the little quirkiness that you would expect that when you read the book you know so mm-hmm. that's another one Paper Towns by John Green and now since we're talking about books that we read when we were younger, mm-hmm. I'm going to dive into a series that wasn't finished. Nope. That had potential. Oh. And truly. wasn't horrible, but did not turn out very well. It is the Percy Jackson series by Rick Riordan. And I will say, I actually didn't read this series, so this is coming straight from Haley's mouth of her, um, her opinion on this. Yes. I loved the Percy Jackson series. There are five books in the original Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, I'm sorry, what is Percy Jackson about? Why Why do you even like it? Okay. It's Greek mythology, people. Uh, that's why I never read it. <laughs> if you listen to our uh, best books of 2018, you know that Haley's I have. a nerd. Also, I just have to say. Stop. No, don't Be say quiet. It. Let me. Don't let me say have, it. Let me have this moment. Oh, my gosh, stop. My book of the year, Circe, the Greek mythology book that I go off about because Matt hated it, but I loved it, was awarded book of the year by book of the month, not a sponsor, but yes! So, loser, so many people around the world vote for these books, and also I'd like to say top five, I read all of them. Woman in the Window was also top five, Great Alone was also top top five, five. Um, Um, Kiss Quotient, but we didn't talk about that one. And... uh, there was another one. Another one that I had read. I had read it too. One. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember either. It's anyway, okay. They were all great. So anyway, Percy Jackson's about Greek mythology. It's about a kid who comes to realize he's a demigod, which is half god, half human. Um, and he goes to this school for demigods where he learns more about his parentage and history and he gets to know some other demigod kids and um gets to run into some fun greek mythology monsters and he has like this whole journey that he's going on and it's a really good series rick riordan bless his soul he's awesome but he also kind of went off and did lots of other side series he that ended were connected up, to Percy they're Jackson. connected but also he started getting into Egyptian gods he got into mm, like do that Roman well. gods he he is he's moved all over the place but Percy Jackson is like the original the OG let me just side note Amazing. also say I'm waiting I'm just waiting patiently for a very good book based on Egyptian like like gods and stuff like that because Haley and I when we were kids 
we loved learning about ancient Egypt. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm just well, waiting. maybe Rick Riordan's series is that series, but we've not given we it did, a we chance. We just grew up. We yeah, got older. But anyway, continue on. Percy Jackson. So Percy Jackson by Rick Riordan. He, I'm not sure if he was involved in the process of making the movie, but I know he did not write the screenplay. Two, I'm starting to notice a pattern here. I know. Two of the movies were made out of the five in the series that I looked up. But two different um, writers wrote the screenplays for each movie. First one was by Craig Titley and the second was Mark Guggenheim. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, a, pi- a pattern. The author needs to be involved. It, this is not something that we thought... Like, it was kind of something that we discovered while we were doing our research. We're like, oh, hey, wow, yeah, they, they help, weren't involved. Or, yeah, the good, the ones that were our favorite, we were like, oh, my gosh, they helped. A lot of them, it was like, oh, they helped, too. So, it, it makes sense. But this one, it just fell flat. It's not that, it's not that the movies were necessarily bad. It's not that it was made poorly. It's just... They didn't stick to the books. They didn't stick to the books and they didn't finish. They didn't. And I, having not read the books, I have done a lot of research about some bad book to movie adaptations. And one of the things that I saw when people were comparing Percy Jackson, it was just the very first one. They changed who's the bad guy in it. Yeah. They had supposed to be somebody else and they just completely changed it. Yeah. And they took out big scenes that like mattered to who the bad person was and they just completely changed it. And I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I know the second book, people were like, where did they get this plot line or something? Like, mm-hmm. it was completely, drastically different from the second book in the series. Yeah. I just think it's, a, a again, a missed opportunity. You have, I mean, Rick Riordan, he could have told them, hey, I'm too busy. But I don't think he would have because if his books were becoming movies, he's got so many books that could potentially be movies mm-hmm. that if they had involved him, who knows how many you know, movies could have been made because of that connection. Very true. All right. The next worst that we're going to talk about is one that I feel so strongly about as being one of the worst adaptations. Um, It's one that I will time and time again go back and just talk about how much I disliked the adaptation, how much I've just learned that I dislike the books in general. Um, I disagree. I like the books. Okay, Haley disagrees. But... I think I liked the books when I was reading them, but upon finishing the series and reflecting on it, I don't like it as much. But the movies especially just were so bad. Um, It's Divergent by Veronica Roth. Um, I really loved the first book. I remember I read it on our camping trip with our dad. I was on the beach and I was like, wow, this book is so interesting. This is so good. I think for me, the book series kind of fell apart in the third book just because I didn't think that the author had thought through very much what, what kind of was the premise of the entire book series. Um, and I think that that really came through with the movies because, I mean, the first movie, it didn't go completely the way that the book was book did. There were some character dropping or adding or changing of events. And then there was a significant point. I remember that Tris, the character, um, she they're like in this these factions and she's learning how to be brave and fierce. It's called Dauntless. And while she's in this training thing, you're not technically, you're not supposed to be able to leave. Like, there's no way you're supposed to be able to leave. And there's a scene where she, like, jumps on a train and, like, 
she's leaving. And that never happens in the book. It's actually not able to happen in the book at all. Mm -hmm. And they do it as like this point of drama and to draw her and the male character forward together. And I understand why they did it, but I remember sitting in the theater and I was like, nope, this doesn't happen. That's completely incorrect. That's not even, that wouldn't even work in this series. And so after I watched the movie, I was like, I didn't think that it was actually what was supposed to be. And the screenplay was written by Vanessa Taylor and Aaron Evan, Evan, Evan Daughtry. Evan Daughtry. Um, and for the for the first one, the second one, no, oh, the second one was Evan Daughtry. No, no, no. no, it wasn't. It was a new screenplay writer, and the third one had new writers too. And they actually split up the third one into a first and second movie, and the second movie was never even made. So there's no actual conclusion. There's no actual conclusion to this. So it was just kind of it just kind of stopped. And I, I didn't even want to go see the second one because I remember I saw the trailer and there was like this stuff about there was this box and mm-hmm. all those different things. And I was like, none of this is in the, yeah. in the book. Like they, they definitely went off on their own adventure. <laughs> they didn't stick to what Veronica Roth had originally written. Again, some of the main things do still happen um something in particular that's a really big thing that happens at the end of the second book into the third book i do know still happens in the Mm, movies but the outcome is different obviously they didn't even finish the series um it was just poorly poorly received people i mean i think this is the kind of series that like People know that they didn't do it right because yep. they act, they had to stop. Like they were so close yep. to finishing it, and they had to mm-hmm. stop because they didn't have enough money. Because people were like, "This is a poorly adapted book," and I don't know. It's just one of those that I will continue to continuously hold on to as just a series gone wrong. Oh yeah, it's it, again a missed opportunity because mm-hmm. that book series was very very popular it was when it popular. was coming out. Um, and again, the first one wasn't horrible. Like, it wasn't a bad movie, but you could tell, especially once the second one came out, and I didn't even, I don't even think I saw the third one, but when the second one came out, you could tell, like, there were so many differences, and then you just knew they kind of were just going off on their own thing, and you're like, okay, I'm I'm not, I'm not committed anymore. I don't really care about this anymore. If you're not going to stick to what was written and you're going to make up your own thing, then call it something else instead of mm-hmm. claiming instead of- that this is the series, this book series. Like, it's very misleading. And um, also, who who did not help with this screenplay? Veronica, Veronica Roth, Roth, the author. author. <laughs> How ironic, you know? All right, we got one more on this worst list, but I also have, like, kind of an honorable mention, but one I want to add on to just slightly. Do you want to do that? We can do that after you talk because it kind of relates to yours. Okay, so I'm going to probably get some hate. Yeah, she's going to get some hate. Send me hate. You can, but I, I just have a hard time in general with this world. It's a fantasy fiction world. I have nothing against the author. I have nothing against the plot line, like the premise. Um, but I just struggle. <laughs> the The movies are hard for me to watch. The books I don't even want to attempt to read. I've read I've read the book I'm going to talk about, but 
You will know what I'm talking about once I say it. I'm just building suspense. Of course. Always got to build the suspense. One of the worst book-to-movie adaptations, I believe, is The Hobbit. Dun-dun-dun! J.R.R. Tolkien. I can go on and on about why I think it's the worst. Um, Let me just start with this. I read this book because my boyfriend but now husband uh uh-huh. wanted to read it together he we were at long distance and he bought a book for him and he bought it for me and he was like hey when we see each other over christmas break let's go see the hobbit like the movie's coming out let's go see it <laughs> I love and this like story. oh that's so sweet oh my goodness like, this was the first year they were dating too so she kind of felt like, like you know oh, adorable and he put little notes in the book and like all this I stuff i didn't know that yeah uh-huh. and i think he meant for me to like find the notes while i was reading but i just shook out shook them all out hey, Leah. <laughs> i got them all at the same time but anyway so i'm trying to read this book and i'm gonna tell you this book is not very long it is, I will tell you the exact amount. It is three. That cannot be true. That's what it says. I think okay. it's less than that. Well, at least Haley's edition that she oh, read let was me, pretty I short. I can grab my edition. Hold yeah. On. So basically what it says here is that it was 366 pages, but we know that that's actually a little not true. Oh, the other, the other American marriage was the other one of the book of the months that we read. Oh, yeah. Okay, my version is only 276 pages. So for a movie, or for a book to only be about 250 pages or so, they've made three, let me tell you this, three movies out of it. Three movies! How many pages again? 250 pages for three movies. I I just, I can't. I just cannot. I, I mean, Peter Jackson, you're amazing. You create wonderful movies. You write very well. But my goodness gracious, we go. So let me, let me tell my story. So we go to see The Hobbit that Christmas after I read it. And it was hard to read. It's a short book. I'm struggling through to read the book. I, could, I couldn't care less about Bilbo's journey. I, I just, eventually, I thought it got good, but that was, you know, 200 pages in. And when I go see the movie, we're sitting there. And I was expecting it to be a long movie. I mean, Peter Jackson doesn't cut corners. So, I'm sitting there watching the movie and it's taking a really long time to even get through the first like chunk of the storyline. I'm like, wow. I was like, they're, they're not going to have a lot of time left to like finish, finish this story. Mm-hmm. And, and my husband leans over and he goes, I forgot to tell you, this is only movie, like um one of three that are coming out. And I was like, are you serious? I was like, what? I like freaked out. I was like, what the heck? How are you turning a three? Like, how are you turning a 250 page book into three, two and a half, almost three hour movies? I don't, I just cannot, it just doesn't make sense. And this is what they did. They added a ton of details that aren't even in the book. They're from the Cimmerillion, which is like another book by Tolkien um and they 
focus a ton on like side character stories. Like I remember in the third movie, they start to focus on this like guy's family on this lake. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember what it's all called, but it just goes on all these side trips. Excuse me. It goes on all these side trips and it's just like, oh, it just drives me nuts, honestly. It doesn't focus on Bilbo. It doesn't really. focus on Bilbo's and journey. It's his story because it relates to Frodo. Yeah, it's his. That's the whole it's his story. The Hobbit exists. This is the. This is. This is a huge story. This is like the prequel to the Lord of the Rings, and I just. I think I would have been okay, if they maybe even if they did two, movies, mm-hmm. but they just stuck to the storyline. I just got so mad because they're throwing in side information and all these other things that weren't in the book. And I'm just sitting there like, I don't care about this stuff. I read The Hobbit. I didn't read these other books. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of Lord of the Rings fanatics and lovers out there. Props to you. I know you probably, your heart was probably soaring. You probably loved all this side detail. But for me as a person already who was kind of like eh about that world and was only really kind of going there to do a a favor, I, you know, I wasn't like already in love with this world or anything like that. But I appreciated the story. I was ready to take up and like take in the story and... I I got way more than, <laughs> way more than I even wanted. Yeah, I'm so sorry for you, Bug. I will okay. say to my side note, that's kind of similar to The Hobbit. Um, I think that one of, I wouldn't say maybe one of the worst adaptations, but one I think we just need to briefly mention is Narnia. Oh, yes. Yes, they made three books, uh, three movies out of the Narnia books, and Haley's reading them right now. And there's like what seven, eight, nine, something so. like that. Yeah, there's a significant number of them. Um, I don't know much information about them, but I do know that they start to go out of order. Um, they they add details from other books into um, specifically the third one. I think um, that just kind of makes this conglomerate of many books into one movie. Um, I just know that it had been not well received from people who were. Really big fans of the series, so I thought I should just mention it. Um, side note, Haley, who wrote the screenplay for The Hobbit? Uh, screenplay is written by Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, Philippa Boynes, and Guillermo del Toro. Hmm, interesting. No J.R. Tolkien, except, of course, he's, he's dead. dead. So I'll give them a little bit of uh, room for that error. But also, if he was alive, it probably would have been better. Probably. All right, well... While we're getting ready for our best, we have a little thing to, for you to listen to. Do you ever find yourself wanting to read a good book, but walking into a bookstore or a library and not knowing where the heck to start? There are so many authors out there, so many different books, and lots of people have different opinions about them. But the only person who can really tell you what you're going to want to read is you. So... I would say if you're needing a little bit of advice or want a bit of guidance in picking out some good reads, please check out my book blog. I've got lots of different genres, including historical fiction, fantasy, book series, standalones, and more. So if you'd love to check it out, leave a comment or even share it. It's brookeandbinding.wordpress.com. 
B-R-O-O-K-E-A-N-D-B-I-N-D-I-N-G dot WordPress dot com. All right, now that we've talked about some of the worst book-to-movie adaptations, let's end on a high note and talk about some of our favorites. Woohoo! Woohoo! So when we were thinking about this, immediately the first book that came to mind was Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky, however you pronounce his last name. I remember I read this book in, um, I think it was actually the end of middle school, which was definitely way too young to be reading a book like this. There's definitely some adult themes. Um, It's a lot deeper than you would ever realize. Um, but the, I wanted to read it because the movie was coming out with Logan Lerman in it, who ironically plays Percy Jackson what? in the Percy Jackson series. I know. At least he had some success. I know. Good and for it, him. And it also had Emma Watson in it, who plays Woo! Hermione Granger in the Harry Potter movies. If you don't know who Emma Watson is. You need to know. Also, <laughs> also Percy of Being a Wallflower has Ezra Miller in it, mm. who is also amazing. And he is in uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. He plays Credence. Whoa. So there is a lot of wonderful actors in this movie, a lot of them before they caught their big breaks. But I really wanted to see it, so I decided to read the book first. And when I saw the movie, I actually only saw the movie, I think, a year after it came out. I'm very short on the pickup, or very slow on the pickup. Um, I went and saw, per- I actually I rented Perks of Being a Wallflower and watched it in my sister's room. Um, and I just remember at the very end of it, looking at it and being like, Wow, that is the best book-to-movie adaptation I have ever seen in my life. Wow. Everything was so on point. Every, it was just exactly how I had imagined it. It was exactly how it was written. And I just remember thinking, like, this is how we're supposed to do these adaptations. Like, why, why do we do them any other way? Mm-hmm. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the author wrote the screenplay. Woo! Woohoo! So finally getting on track with some sort of structure, Stephen Chbosky wrote the screenplay. So obviously he was going to write it in a way that was similar to, if not exactly the way that he had written the his book that was so successful. So I think the, the main points for me in Perks of Being a Wallflower is that even though it was a movie, not a book, um, like the, the movie was obviously a movie, um, it had the same feeling that the book did. It was weird and quirky and there was only I think there's only one change in the movie that I can think of which is they changed one of the songs that's pretty important in the book that um the main character he listens to the first night he's out with his new friends that are seniors and he's a freshman and the reason that the the author says the reason he made that change was when he was watching the scene with the song from the movie he realized it didn't fit the scene as well as he thought and he found this other song and it fit so much better And so there's just all these different moments I remember watching where I was like, wow, that exactly happens in the movie. Or like, if it's not word for word, it has the exact same sort of feel. It gives you this feeling of there's something deeper going on inside the main character, but also you can sense his happiness in being noticed by these seniors and being appreciated. And I think one of the cool things too is I feel the same thing about the movie Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. It also has this familiar feeling of it reflects the book so well of its um its weird cheery disposition in a really sad story which is about a girl who has cancer um and it still kind of maintains this composure of this weird kind of indie film um that reflects a weird kind of indie book mm-hmm. um and I'm not sure if the author wrote the screenplay I think Haley's gonna check for me 
Um, it was written by Jesse Andrews. Yeah, the entire screenplay was written by him, so that makes and he complete wrote the sense. book. Yeah. And he wrote the book. So it, I yeah, I would say I know you mentioned like there was like a change in Purse being Wallflower, but I feel like when the author is involved and the change, there's still a change that happens. You know that the author has signed off on it like they're mm-hmm. like okay this is a this is an okay change with me or maybe they were the one who made the change mm-hmm. unlike what maddie said so i always feel like once when the author is involved and there's a change or something that maybe isn't adding up the way it did in the book as long as i know the author was involved and they must have okayed it then it's going to be okay with me yeah it worked out really well so i highly recommend that one of my favorite books of all time that became a movie i mean this book I I love this book. Oh my god. Maddie hates this book. We, I don't hate this book. Okay. Well, I don't like you it don't like much. it that much. I love this book. It became a movie. The author was also involved. She wrote the screenplay as well. It became very very famous. It's called Gone Girl by Gillian <laughs> Flynn. I, I think like everyone has heard of this movie oh or word. this book. I I just I so I saw that the movie was coming out. And this book, actually, Maddie owned originally. Mm -hmm. And I saw the movie come out, and I was like, oh, that... Ooh, it's rated R. I'm not sure. It looks kind of weird. was so weird. I was younger, too, but I was kind of like... I don't know. It it looked... And I'm going to tell you guys, it's not for the faint of heart. There is some really weird, like, disturbing, messed up up things that happen. Um, But when I read the book literally could not put it down i was reading until like two or three in the morning um the last i love books like this where even the last like page or two you know you have two pages left or a page left you still don't know how this book is going to end you still don't know what's going to happen you you're just on the edge of the seat and i remember reading it and i kept getting interrupted my last page i just kept getting interrupted and i was like oh my gosh i'm never gonna know what happens but i eventually did and when i finally saw the movie i remember you know like when you when you go in to to watch a booked movie adaptation you don't think this is gonna suck you go in with the mindset of, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see how they're going to, you know, do this part. Or, oh, I hope they didn't take this out. Or, like, you have these moments that you're looking forward to and like, oh, are they going to do it? Are they going to pull it off? Are they going to, you know, make this actually come to life? And I remember when I watched this movie, I had those moments of like, okay, this would be the part where this is going to happen. Or, oh my gosh, I hope, you know, I hope he still does this or she still does this. And it did. Like all, I remember thinking, wow, all of my expectations were met. All of those moments of, you know, excitement and anticipation, even the things that were disturbing that I knew, I mean, they're weird, but it was like, that's how it was created. And that is, you know, how those are characteristics of a character and if if you leave some of those things out, they might not seem as crazy or it might not make as much sense. And they really, I really feel like they brought it to life. Jillian Flynn, I, I love her. If you're listening, you're not, but I love you, Jillian Flynn. I love your books. You did a great job writing this screenplay. It's seriously one of my favorite movie to book adaptations. I definitely wouldn't recommend this for the faint of heart, 
I wouldn't recommend it for people probably under the age of 18. I definitely read it when I was younger than 18. I know, but you probably, you wouldn't you say it's not something for younger people. I I would say that. And I think if I reread it now knowing what I do know about what happens in the book, I would appreciate it more because I really think it did shape Yes. The thriller industry oh, of 100%. books. It really, it really did. I mean, you see so many thrillers now because Gone Girl was so successful. Yep. But I think that there are certain aspects of Gone Girl, um, including some of the ending and just the way that the book was structured, that I read it and I was like, yeah, I would not have done that myself. Yes. Like, it However. Been, it could have been more successful if a certain element had been changed. However. However. The movie reflected the book yes it did the movie did ref- and, Bam. I, and i actually ref- i preferred the movie actually than i prefer the, the movie than the book see and that is a hard thing to do mm-hmm. because a lot of times when you see a book to movie adaptation they leave a lot of details out they might get you know the main gist and they're going to do their the best they can with the limited time and whatnot but and trying to keep people's attention and it's very rare to be able to say wow that movie did a better job, I think, than the book did. Or or mm-hmm. I appreciated the storyline or I was able to appreciate what this author was trying to do. I, I appreciated it more visually than just reading it. So Yeah. It it was a good feat. Um and I and I appreciate Jillian Flynn for doing that. Yes. Um I applaud her. <laughs> Why are you applauding? Because she's amazing. Did not applaud for any one of the other ones. We're not going there again. <laughs> she deserves. Okay. Whatever. Okay. So the next one to talk about is a series. And this series was completed as um, happens with most good book to movie adaptations. No matter how long. No matter how long <laughs> as we will get into. Um, but this one is The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Um, we briefly talked about The Hunger Games in the last um, episode in which I talked about how I read it on the Kindle, but I couldn't read it on the Kindle. I could mostly only read it in um, solid book form. Um, and I think The Hunger Games, kind of similar to Harry Potter, in which it just kind of shaped this whole dystopian, like, dystopian genre. Like it really did. Like I feel like every dystopian book is trying to live up to the Hunger Games standards. Oh, now. yeah. And Divergent is one of those same series, but was less successful. Yeah, I think it tried to... I think in its early days, going back to Divergent just for a second, it kind of paved its own route. Yeah, but, but then, then with it, its unsuccessfulness of the movies, it was yeah, just kind of forgotten. Definitely. But, but Hunger Games yeah, Hunger has... Games. It has stood the test of time so oh, far. Oh, yeah. Um, based on, you know, the screenwriting, the, Suzanne Collins helped write the screenplay for the first movie, but she did not help for the, the, less, the next three. She was a part of the adaptation but she did not actually help write the screenplay mm-hmm. and that might have to do with the director change there was a different director from the first movie to the last three which you can very much tell because in the first movie the camera work is a lot shakier mm-hmm. um it's a lot to reflect the actually i found this out that shaking the camera um it's supposed to reflect emotional turmoil oh that's so cool. There was a lot more of this inner emotional stuff happening in the first movie, which is actually my favorite out of all yeah, four of so them. Too. Um, and less of that in the in the last three. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could ha- that there could be some sort of connection, but I do think Hunger Games has a really great sweet spot in this adaptation of all of the very major points were added, mm-hmm. but, and and the ones that weren't such a big deal were omitted. 
yeah. for good reason, not to yeah. crowd it out. I will say if I have one criticism, one of the things that bothers me still to this day is I read the book so long ago and I haven't really re- reread them, but there's a part with Snow where he... President he, Snow. President Snow, where he, his mouth is bleeding and there's never a good explanation in the movies. Like, I think they try, yeah. but it's very unclear. And yeah. if you really only read the books, you'd be you able to tell. You would understand what's happening. I would definitely say as the the very last movie, how... This, I told Mad this earlier. How certain things unfold or unravel aren't exactly how they are in the book. But I'll just say, like, the people who are supposed to die still die. Mm-hmm. It might be in a different way. Um, but main, some of the main things still happen. Um, and the, 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 the people who are supposed to end up to end up together still end up together. Um, the epilogue is still the same. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things where I can see why they wanted, they, they, they got the same result, but they got there a little bit differently. And I think and that's I and I feel like yeah. there's some grace for that. I agree. And I think the difference too between having grace for the changes in Hunger Games versus having grace for the changes in Divergent is Hunger Games is more it's a story that is kind of made for a movie almost. Like it makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. The it, plot line li- plot line makes sense. It does it's not- the plot line doesn't change. It's just maybe how someone died or how mm-hmm. people ended up together might differ, but the plot, the, it, the main, plot never changes. The main, and it always yeah. makes sense. It always makes sense, definitely. It's, I think it's, I think it's brilliant, and I think it's one of those movies that, like, I could just, I can go back and just watch them all the time, and I still reminisce on when I read them. Yeah, but I still think they're, and I think that they're also just amazing books. I think, like, even though Suzanne Collins didn't have anything major to do with the second third and fourth movies i still think they did a great job of adapting it to the screen especially a story with so much political turmoil and emotional destruction as the hunger games definitely so if you've not checked out the hunger games books well i feel like a lot of people have but if you haven't please check them out especially if you've seen the movies like the Mm -hmm. books you i also think too that they are a series where if you did see the movies first and then read the book, it's not that it's not that crazy of oh my gosh, so much is different. Like yeah. it's not like as big of a wow, but it it there are details that you are gonna get more in the book, obviously. Definitely. So our second to last best is another thriller because I love thrillers and I honestly think thrillers can be some of the hardest to translate from a book to a movie usually because they're very disturbing honestly very disturbing and um like narrators can be unreliable and all this stuff it can be hard to portray the emotion of a thriller as well that you find in a book and this and this next one definitely has that um unreliable narrator oh totally and and this and i just want to say thrilly like thriller books are different than like horror. horror That is completely different. We've read horror books before. We read a Final Girls as a horror book. Yeah, completely different. So the book or the book to movie adaptation I'm going to talk about is The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. Mm, I, I love this book. I just, I just can't. I this is another one where I'm sitting in the theater and I'm watching it and I'm telling myself. 
oh, they better not mess this part up. Or I hope they, you know, especially the ending. I'm like, this ending needs to happen the way it does in the book. And by George, it does. It's amazing. (laughs) It's a very strange ending. Um, But the ending is done so so well. And it's particular. It's Mm -hmm. very particular on how certain things happen. And the movie totally does it. Now, this is a rarity. Mm -hmm. Paula Hawkins, the author, did not write the screenplay. Uh, This lady called Erin Cressida Wilson wrote the screenplay for the movie. What a name. And it's a very cool name. Um, But it was so true. It was so true to the book that I left the theater and was like, wow, that was... That was amazing. Plus, it stars Emily Blunt. It stars Emily Blunt. I mean, she's what, amazing for goodness sake. What is not good with Emily Blunt in it? Now, there were a few details that are changed. The main thing is it is based in New York instead of London. Which I, I think, it for some people, I think it's like a minor detail that probably doesn't matter to their minds. But most of the book is spent about... A train that being on a train, a woman on a train sees an event happen or see something happen um, from a house, and it's very common to have trains that are so close to the houses yeah. in England. I spent some time in England, and I had read the book, and I didn't understand the concept. I was like, "How could she see that close to someone's house?" But when I was on the train, you, in, can, see. I, you can see everything. And a lot of times, I mean, in bigger cities like the subways and stuff like that, it's different, but. A lot of times it's like you're going through random areas. You're going through like city. not You're not going through residential mm-hmm. stuff like that, like in America. Um, and I love the character Rachel as the narrator. Emily Blunt does an amazing job of capturing her. She is um, an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And so the way that it was directed as well, there's a lot of like, it's just, I just remember there's like fuzziness that goes mm-hmm. on. It's like, it's like very blurry. You, and- yeah, blurry, and you and and it's like you are you truly are in her world. You you know Emily Blunt captures captures the um, the screen and just really hones this character so well that it it becomes so believable. Honestly, like I think when a when an actor is so devoted and they know their character. I think even if the director kind of goes off, which the director didn't, but if a director does go off, as long as the actors know who those characters are, they know who they're supposed to portray, I really think that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Emily Blunt is one of those actresses that is so good at doing that. Oh, yeah. She just she, she, she understands. So, she commits so much to to her character and their background story and, and just their process. It's just... And Rachel as a character is a very messed up human. Mm-hmm. And she and I just remember thinking, wow, Emily Blunt did an incredible job. Like, it's just bravo to her acting, honestly. And I think the cool thing, too, is The Girl on the Train as a book st- um, as a book is very creepy and mm-hmm. in, in a weird, like, almost like a dreamlike quality. Yes, definitely. And you still get that with the movie. You do. I watched that movie by myself in my room, and I was like, weirded out not like a horror movie but weirded out in the sense of like what the heck is going on yeah it's spectacular yep as long i think the biggest thing is being able to emote the same feeling that you're getting especially reading a thriller if you're getting those same feelings watching the movie 
then I, I truly think that that is a job well done. Mm-hmm. So I can't, you know, I can talk on and on, but Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins, that even though she wasn't involved with writing the screenplay, the people who were involved really did their research. And you can tell, you can tell they actually knew the story. They knew how like specific things needed to not change. And they had a little bit of leeway with things that could have changed. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, definitely a great book to movie adaptation. All right. So we cannot talk about the best book to movie adaptations without talking about the one and only Harry Potter. I know if you Uh, are so annoyed with us, because I feel like we always talk about Harry Potter, but it's so good. I got to admit, we did actually watch Harry Potter on like Tuesday night. We We just like it a lot. We love it so much. But we, as we were watching the movie though, there were so many moments of us this is, I mean, I think Harry Potter is such a well-done adaptation in which, like, it doesn't deviate from the plot. Like, any of the details that are missing were not, maybe not 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 necessary, but they weren't integral in already two-and-a-half-hour-long movies. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still pretty fun. Harry Potter does it in a way that, like, if you really like Harry Potter, you can sit there and watch the movie like we did and just look at each other and be like, Oh, they changed that a little bit. Yeah. But it's not like, I'm angry you changed this. It's like, there oh, are that's some, a little bit different. There are some Harry Potter movies that were made that there are specific moments or changes that were made that people were like, that's annoying. Mm-hmm. One movie in particular I think of is Goblet of Fire. Oh, yeah. They really changed a, a lot Yeah, in there's that a one. bunch that's missing. But the main plot stays the same. Like, one of the biggest things that's missing from Goblet of Fire is a bunch of stuff about house elves. And that really irritated a lot of people. But that's yeah. not extremely important to the plot. No. And the one moment a house elf does play a part in, they put a person in instead. So instead of devoting maybe a half an hour of information about this house elf organization and, and the house elves in the kitchen and mm-hmm. a lot of unneeded animation money yeah they just replaced the house elf with a person for yeah. one scene where it would have been integral to have the house elf there now with the harry potter series and there are eight movies mm-hmm. um steve cloves wrote all the screenplays except one which was the fifth one order of the phoenix which michael goldenberg wrote um and it didn't say that J.K. Rowling wrote any of the screenplays. But knowing her, she was involved in so many things. And I'm guessing as they were writing the screenplay, she was someone that they went to oh, constantly. Colla- she, they, she, I'm, I, I don't doubt that. Well, she's the resource. They don't have, I mean, they have books to go on, but a living, like she's like the living, breathing resource mm-hmm. for this whole world that like it'd be like if J.R.R. Tolkien was alive and yeah. they and Percy Jackson like relied on him to you mean write Hobbit. No, Percy Jackson, the director. Oh, Percy Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Percy Peter Jackson. If he was relying on Tolkien. I was like, what? No. If he's relying on Tolkien, like he's the fountain of information about this world, you know, and she's the fountain of information about the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, she, uh, there are stories that she was like on set a lot, you know, that she was always involved. She was like at the reading of the different um, scripts and the screenplays each year. And, and I'm sure that they just wanted to do it justice. I mean, yeah. it's, I, I don't question the legitimacy yeah. of 
these movies just mm-hmm. because she wasn't the screenplay writer. Yeah. Cause you know, and we know that she was so involved because I, there's a story that goes around that um, one of the writers or a director or something was talking to her about having dumbled or possibly say something about a girl that he knew back when he was younger or like even hinting at McGonagall or something like that. But then JK Rowling was like, Oh no, Dumbledore's gay. And yeah. so like, even though that's it, not it, written in the books, like having her as a resource helped it, them. Yeah, if if they didn't have her or if they would have just changed those things without asking her, without having her involved, specific parts of this world that she's created would have drastically been different. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And all I, in all. Yeah. And, and there are definitely better Harry Potter adaptations yeah. than others. I think the best one is the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban. I think that one is almost page for page the same as the as the book i think my favorite is movie adaptation i think is the first one Mm, yeah that one is really good it's yeah it's just so good so i mean as you can see with the worst and the best there's always some sort of having to do with the author being around and obviously we could go on and on about Harry Potter. Again, we're saving all of our Harry Potter knowledge for a different podcast, but we had to include Harry Potter in these best movie adaptations. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You can't not. Yeah, you just, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we are so excited for this new year. We're so excited for these amazing podcasts and this the awesome ideas that we have for you guys Please share LitSys with other readers that you know or writers or people that, you know, just appreciate some good conversation. Because I think we've got some good conversation. I agree. So please check us out. Um, check out the Brook and Binding uh, WordPress blog if you would like to. She's also on Instagram at Brook and Binding. I'm also on Instagram at Brook and Binding. Um, just, I don't know, this is a new year. Try something new. Maybe... Pick up a new book that you've never, you know. Yeah. Maybe one of the books that we talked about. Maybe you're <laughs> like, oh, I, I, you know, I saw the Divergent movies, but I, I'd love to see what they're talking about. I'd love mm-hmm. to read the books for myself, you know. Seriously, if you have seen any of these movies, we highly recommend that you read the books anyway, because usually the books are better. Speaking of books, Haley, mm-hmm. what are you reading right now? Well, that's funny you should ask me, because I think... We might be reading the same thing. Dun, dun, dun. We are. What it's called uh, Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. Anthony Horowitz, that name sounds so familiar. Yeah, he actually wrote The Word is Murder, which we've talked about previously. On um, the Best Books of 2018 episode, so check that one out. But he also wrote the really popular series Alex Rider, which my husband has read all of them and he loves them so much. So it was really fun for me to be able to experience Anthony Horowitz's writing when we read Word is Murder, and this one is going to be amazing, too. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, it's uh, Anthony Horowitz's writing style is spectacular and so unique to him. Um, so this book is about a literary agent's, um, or not a literary, a, write, a writer's assistant starting to realize that the newest book that the author that she works for is writing sounds... Like, there might be some real-life murder that might be hidden within the pages. Mm-hmm. So, we're really excited to read, and oftentimes Haley will read... Haley and I will read the same book together, and we'll have to, like, stop at every, like, chapter and just be like, what are your theories? What do you think's going on? So, 
um, we are reading this one next. We haven't read a book together since, um, I think, this summer. So I Yeah, I think since the summer. So it's going to be really fun. Yes, we're looking forward to it. Um, and so thank you so much for taking a break with us. Now go flip some pages. Michelle. <laughs> it was Michelle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>